Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Neighborhood Podcast. I'm one of the co-hosts of the podcast. I go by the name of Kyle Dabra. What's good, everybody? Welcome back. I'm the other host, Kevin Valentin. Kyle, it's draft day, baby. It's a beautiful day. What's going on today, brother? What we got on this agenda today? Yes, sir. So the draft is still ongoing. We're getting into the later half of the first round of the 2021 NFL Draft. But just to kind of give you guys a recap of where things stand so far. I'll just kind of throw out some of the top picks that we've seen so far. First pick overall, pretty much expected that Trevor Lawrence went to the Jags. Shocker. And that's where he ends up going. And number two, we had the Jets. They picked Zach Wilson, quarterback at a BYU. Now, this was the probably the biggest news of the day was the third pick with the San Francisco 49ers. They picked up quarterback Trey Lance from North Dakota State. So San Francisco rules with Trey Lance probably tells me that Jimmy G is going to be on his way out pretty shortly. Then after that, we had Kyle Pitts tight end out of Florida, went to the Atlanta Falcons, Jamar chase wide receiver out of LSU went to the Cincinnati Bengals. Number six, we had the dolphins pick Jalen Waddle wide receiver out of Alabama. It was interesting kind of seeing Waddle being the first receiver picked out of Alabama and not Devontae Smith. After that, we got Panay Sewell, offensive tackle out of Oregon. He was picked by the Detroit Lions. With J.C. Horn picked by the Carolina Panthers as the number eight pick. Number nine, we had Patrick Sertan, cornerback out of Alabama. He went to Denver. Devontae Smith went to the Eagles at 10. Justin Fields. Him. Yep, Justin Fields. Quarterback out of Ohio State, he got picked by the Chicago Bears. They traded uh, with the New York Jet, uh, the New York Giants, to get that pick. After that, we had Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State, go to Dallas. And then, just to kind of hit one of the last big names here, at number fifteen, Matt Jones, quarterback out of Alabama, goes to the New England Patriots, where. It looks to be that Mac Jones may be the quarterback of the future in Foxborough, in Foxborough, Massachusetts, very shortly. So, Kev, let me just get your initial take on what you think of the draft so far. Granted, we're not all the way through it yet, but what? Just give me your first impression. I'm not going to lie to you, man. Uh, we were talking about it prior to the draft. We were talking about it during the draft. Um, this is probably one of the more entertaining drafts I've, we've we've seen in a while. There were a lot of trades. There were a lot of surprising but effective picks for a lot of certain for a lot of teams. Um, 
Uh, a lot of our predictions ended up not even coming true aside from the first two and Kyle Pitts being four. But I mean, for the most part, this was a very good draft. And I mean, I, I feel like a lot of teams addressed what they needed in terms of um, uh, importance of getting their, their primary player off the board. Um, if I had to put a nail on it, I wouldn't even say that Trey Lance was the shock for me. If I'm being completely honest, I have to say it's Jamar Chase going to Cincinnati. Uh, we all know that Joe Burrow is the focal point piece of the future for the Cincinnati Bengals coming off of an ACL injury last season. We all know that Joe Burrow was one of the most sacked quarterbacks at the time before his injury. And you did not draft the best lineman in the draft who would have been the blindside protector to your franchise quarterback. Instead, you draft a receiver who, depending on who you ask, could have been voted as one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in this class. However, if your quarterback isn't able to stand upright and is continuously running for his life, how is he going to perform and give Jamar Chase opportunity to receive the ball? We all know what happened in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback in this era as of right now, and he had no time to throw the football, and he has plenty of firepower on that offense. So if you're telling me you're prioritizing offensive weapons over protection of your franchise, I think Cincinnati really needs to reevaluate that front office. I get it. Sometimes you draft the best available player on the board, but when your best player on the team is already recovering after year one, I'm pretty sure that's an immediate red flag. And that's supposed to be saying we should probably get a lineman. Granted, there's another seven rounds. You can get linemen anywhere in this draft it's a very deep offensive lineman draft but I thought that Penny Siwa was I just thought he was the best available person at the time for Cincinnati's direct needs and I felt that they failed Joe right then and there I mean he is reunited with his former teammate and Chase that's great and all and I feel like that offense is going to be very dynamic with T Higgins Tyler Boyd Joe Mixon Joe Burrow and obviously now Jamar Chase but if Joe's got no time it's going to be pretty similar to last year and it's, I'm, I mean, I don't even see Joe coming back before midway through the season because he did get hurt relatively later. So he's not coming back within the first four weeks unless he has one of those AP rehabs. So it's, it's I, I just think Cincinnati really messed up here. I think they dropped the ball. And, you know, I hope Jamar Chase pans out. But if Joe Burrow's not healthy, does it really matter that you drafted this kid? I don't think so. So what were some standouts from you so far? If I really had to put it out there, um, I would say Jace Horn, great acquisition for Carolina. I also thought that they would have went uh, offensive line or maybe another receiver to give Sam Darnold a target, but, you know, somewhere to solidify the defensive side of the football for Carolina, probably the best corner in this draft. Uh, right after that, Sertain going to Denver, another great cornerback. I think Philadelphia trading up to get Devonta Smith was massive. They needed it. We all know that they lack receiver help, and they know that Jalen Hurts going into this season is going to need all the firepower he can get. My mm -hmm. only concern to that is Philly's top two receivers, that being Jalen Rager and Devontae Smith, are both very undersized and very small. So you don't necessarily have a big guy to go up and get a jump ball other than Dallas Goddard, who is now probably going to be your tight end of the future with Zach Hurts likely on the way out this weekend. A lot of rumors circulating around that. But I know we're both excited. Justin Fields did go before the Patriots, like we rightfully thought he would. And Chicago traded all the way up with the Giants to go and get Justin Fields at 11. 
So I'm very, very, very happy for him. He just needs to fix some of his throwing mechanics. And Matt Nagy is a quarterback whisperer. We're still waiting for him to whisper to the right person because we all know that Andy Dalton is there. Nick Foles is still on that roster. So it is going to be an interesting offseason to see that. But I mean, honestly, if I'm sitting here looking, I am just I'm, I'm, I'm happy with everything that happened. Oh, uh, Farley, the cornerback the out of Virginia Tech, he ended up going to Tennessee. And I was right. Minnesota did draft that that tackle that I was looking at. Uh, Christian Darsaw, mm-hmm. he went to Minnesota. But yeah, no, I, I definitely think the biggest the biggest thing was uh, was was Jace Horn. And probably, probably Justin Fields and Devonta Smith have had really put something on it, you know. Yeah, I think probably the surprising one for me was somebody that you mentioned with Jamar Chase going to the Cincinnati Bengals. I do like the move, though. I think the reason why is I like that connection between him and Joe Burrow, just because they were great together in their LSU days when they were going for a national championship. And I think as long as they're able to kind of shore up that offensive line in these later rounds in the draft. I think they'll be just fine. Hopefully Joe comes back pretty well from this ACL tear that he suffered this past season. And hopefully he can take another step forward. It's just kind of indicative of how well that they're able to kind of build this offensive line going into next year. It's like you and I've talked about many times. It's like having an offensive line is absolutely pivotal. It's absolutely crucial to just to build some confidence around a very young team. So not only does it open it up for Joe Burrow to, to throw to guys like Jamar Chase, but it opens up it opens up run lanes as well. So that way it's not putting a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow to carry the team by him throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game. Like so, he did most of his rookie season. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, he had some great highlights from his rookie season. It's just 100%. you know, we're gonna have to see what happens going into year two off that ACL tear. And it's it is kind of a bad look when your number one guy, the guy who's going to be the leader of the franchise for many years to come, tears his ACL in the first season. And it does kind of give me, I know you could probably, you're probably going to get nightmares that I'm going to bring this up, but it does kind of give me some memories of when Ryan Grigson was the GM for the Indianapolis Colts and they never built an offensive line around Andrew Luck and look what happened to him. I'm not saying that's going to be the exact same thing for Joe Burrow just because he's only been in the league for one year. He tore his ACL already, but they have to address that offensive line sooner rather than later because you do not want Joe Burrow to be in a similar situation where he's getting dinged up just because he has no line to protect him. So that'll be interesting to see as we move on into the later rounds of the draft. Um, I will talk about San Francisco picking up Trey Lance. I think it's great for Trey Lance. I'm really happy that he was a top three draft pick. It's just for me personally, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think he's a third overall pick. I think he's probably what I would consider mid to late first rounder, just based off of what he did for North Dakota state, but look, North Dakota state has actually fielded some decent talent over the years. Obviously the standout being Carson Wentz and Trey Lance does kind of give me kind of some Patrick Mahomes type vibes a little bit. I don't know if he's going to be as dynamic as what he was, what Mahomes was for Texas tech, but San Francisco got their guy. So 
I don't know if it's I don't know if he's going to pan out to the way that they think he's going to, but I think it's great that he went top three. So hopefully he can generate some momentum going into training camp. And who knows? He might be the day one starter just because we don't know what's going to happen with Jimmy G. So, and that's really kind of the next domino to fall for San Francisco. We just don't know if he's going to be on the way out or not. So um, Pittsburgh took Najee Harris. That's a good move. Yeah, they just lost James Conner. Cheers up their running back uh, spot. So that's not actually a bad move. I like that. And he was dynamite in the the playoffs. Oh, yeah, big time. I'm curious to see where this man, uh, ETN, ends up, the running back out of Clemson. That kid's electrifying. Yep, yep. So we'll see. what If Najee went to Pittsburgh in the first round, that means ETN's got to be coming soon. So now i got to ask you. So I know you mentioned Justin. Patriots get their guy at Mac Jones at 15. So what do you think his future holds as he goes into his first season into New England? Well, I mean, shout out to his his entrance to the to the stage. And we all know that that man, he looked like he was ready to, to to quote Twitter. He looked like he was ready to snitch on somebody for for taking a cookie out of the cookie jar. That man power walked his way out to the stage. He was so happy. He said, oh, my God, I've been back there so long. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah, all, that's all I got to say, man. Matt Jones looked like he was so happy. But uh, to be on a serious note, I mean, it, we all know that Bill Belichick can do a lot with a little. Uh, we all know the history behind Tom Brady being picked 199 and not really having a lot of hype behind him. Uh, Mac Jones, I'm not going to say he was better than Tom at that point in his career, but he did have uh, an incredible SEC record in a year, or should I say an all-time Alabama record year with 4,500 total yards thrown. So, I mean, the kid has talent. Don't get me wrong. He can ball. He can play. But it's a matter of the weapons around you. Like we've discussed a multitude of times. Yes, he has two incredible tight ends now. We all know tight ends are, quarter- are rookie quarterbacks, best friends. But Cam Newton is on this roster. Cam Newton is the starter going into week one, I would assume. So he will have to sit back for a couple of weeks, pending if Cam, one, stays healthy, and then two, is able to actually play effectively through the playbook. But I think that you genuinely got a good quarterback for the future because we all know that uh, Mac Jones was a system quarterback in Alabama. Tom Brady was a system quarterback early in his career with Bill Belichick running that offense, who grew into his own and obviously became the greatest quarterback of all time over time. But uh, I think that you guys did the right thing. The fact that he fell all the way down when he was expected to go three over Trey Lance, I thought it was a a really, really, really good thing for you guys. And I think that uh, he's going to be a good player for you guys in the coming future. It's a matter of can he produce at the NFL level? Because we all know the SEC quarterback you had last time in Ryan Mallett did not pan out. Granted, Tom Brady was in front of him. But when he did get to play, it was an atrocious showing. When he was well, on the field. Well, we had Jarrett Stidham. Jarrett Stidham's from Auburn, and he hasn't really panned out in any significant positive way whatsoever. So, look, I think it's a good move by New England. He was on the board. And mm-hmm. I think really it was probably either between him or Justin Fields. But once Chicago made the trade up to number 11 from where the Giants were, pretty much told me that the Giants were going to go after Justin Fields excuse me, the, the Bears were going to go after Justin Fields. And then that pretty much left the door wide open for New England to go get Mac Jones. 
there was no other teams that made the trade up to go get them. And then pretty much once the Jets made the trade uh, with Minnesota to get the 14th spot, and I believe the Jets got that uh, offensive lineman from USC. I think his name is uh, Vera Tucker. It pretty much told me, like, yeah, Mac Jones is going to New England. But as far as what I think Mac Jones can do, look, I think he's definitely – he's a system quarterback, but I think the way that New England has a system built currently, I think it could be a great system for Mac Jones to be a part of. They have a good offensive lineman. They have a solid running back core. They have improved their wide receiver core through free agency this offseason. And you have Josh McDaniels being the offensive coordinator for the team. So, and you got coach Bill Belichick basically tutoring this guy as he starts his NFL career. So I don't think he's going to be the immediate starter because Cam's got that job day one. Cam's going to be the starter first week of the year. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Patriots kind of let Mac Jones kind of groom into that, into that backup role just 100%. so he, he learns from Cam. Um, depending on how it goes with Cam this year, it could be reminiscent of what the Chiefs did a couple years ago when Alex Smith was the quarterback, and then they kind of let Patrick Mahomes play the last game or two to kind of get his feet wet into the NFL. So depending on how Cam plays this year, I think that they could do something similar to that just because Cam's on a one-year deal. There's no guarantee that he's going to be the long-term quarterback for New England. And I think if Mac Jones just really kind of really pounds the pavement here and really kind of focuses on what he needs to do, I think he could be a starter maybe by the end of the year or going into next year, just depending on how Cam plays this year. And look, Cam has never really been the same after that shoulder surgery about two, three years ago. Now we're going to see what happens when it comes to what he's going to be this year with a better wide receiver core and a better tight end group as well. So now he actually has time to like get used to the playbook with a full off season with your coaching staff. Exactly. So if Cam can't really produce with this amount of talent around him, pretty sure he's done. Mac Jones is going to be looked at as like, all right, dude, it's your time. So I think Cam will probably play out the year, but if Cam plays inconsistently this year, I think Matt Jones could be the starter by the end of the year. And I think he, he will definitely be the starter going into year two. That's how I kind of see oh. it. But, I, but overall, yeah, no, no, no. I, I don't, I don't disagree, but, but overall good pick by new England. He fell to 15. If he's on the board, you go take him. And I don't really think it was like a, it was really like a no lose situation here. It's like he's on the board. You might as well go get him. Yeah, no. I mean, there, there was no reason not to. I mean, he was talked about for so long. Like I said, like we talked about as well at, at number three. So we all know that the potential was there for him to be a quarterback of the future for somebody. And the fact that he fell all the way down to you guys is kind of like a blessing because you know that he has the ability to go out and lead a team like he did in Alabama. He comes from great coaching and a great team mm-hmm. in Nick Saban. And he had great talent around him. In the two years he was there, obviously having Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, Eric Waddle, Najee Harris, and then boys. So he is not a, he's not uh, unaccustomed to playing with good players. So mm-hmm. obviously with probably one of the, the greatest, if not the greatest NFL coach of all time in Bill Belichick, 
and one of the best offensive coordinators in the uh, in, in the league and in Josh McDaniels. I think that he kind of nailed it in going from the greatest college coach to the greatest NFL coach. So, I mean, he is, I would say, relatively in a similar situation that he was in Alabama. And we all know that the system triumphs all in New England. We've all heard Chad Johnson and everybody that's played in New England talk about it's the New England way. I think he goes from the best possible system in one league to possibly one of the best in another. What did I tell you? Travis Etienne drafted to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I knew it was coming. Now, Travis Etienne and James Robinson. That's a good and Trevor, running back group. Bro, That's a good bro, running I'm back group. Done. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm a cult. I can't handle this fucking pressure right now. I got to worry about Deshaun Watson if he makes it out of this legal bullshit. I got to worry about Derrick Henry. And now I got to worry about fucking Trevor Lawrence for the next decade. The AFC South in about a year or two is about to be fucking deadly, bro. Are you kidding me? These two teams, Travis Etienne is lightning in a bottle. Man, did they possibly get the steal of the first round. Holy shit. He fell late. That's That's huge. And he's a big pass catching back, man. That's so, Mm -hmm. and their teammates, he he literally follows Trevor. They already have chemistry. It's a good move. Holy it's Fuck. like you said with James Robinson in the backfield, he's going to be the main workhorse, but you got a third down back in Travis Etienne. Whew. Maybe all the maybe they have to build up the wide receiver core just a little bit. Bro, they got Marvin Jones. They have fucking what's this guy's name? Oh my god, Chalk, Daryl Chalk, or whatever. Oh, DJ Chalk. Is. Yeah, bro. They're they're not nasty, but they're solid at the receiver core. Like they're do, not like do, awful. Do they still have Day Day Westbrook? D.D. Westbrook, I think so. I don't know. I, I, I thought he, I thought he got hurt last year. If I remember correctly. No, I know Chalk was hurt a lot last. Somebody, year. somebody got hurt last year. I forget who it was, but I know Westbrook is nice. Yeah, D.D. is nice. He's a special teamer too, and they got Coleman and all that. Like that's what I'm saying. Jacksonville's offense isn't they're, atrocious. They just need to protect Trevor. They're young. They're yes, young. Very young. And it, Urban Meyer likes that. They're young college kids. It wouldn't hurt them to get a little bit of um, a veteran leadership, though, on the offensive side of the ball if they could get it. I yeah, no, I, I, I don't blame you at all for saying that. It's true. Yeah, I mean, they can drop. I mean, they could sign some veteran offensive linemen, or maybe I don't, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I don't want to think about it because Jacksonville's going to be a pain in the ass. My dad doesn't watch college football, and I kept telling him, I was like, this kid's about to be a headache for the next couple of years. And he was like, bro, he's a rookie. Jacksonville sucks. I said, I don't think you understand how good of a fucking quarterback this kid is. He's going to be a problem. Got to protect like, him. He's gonna be a him. fucking problem. But they anyway, protect him. It's the main um, thing they gotta protect him. If if you had to put a, a disappointment on a pick, like somebody you were just like, what? Like, who are you going with, bro? I understand that you were shocked with the Trey Lance. You don't think he's third, but that, like, he still has <sighs> talent. He's a first rounder for a reason. Who's one that you scratch your head and you're like, really? Like this guy, Zach Wilson at two. Zach Wilson at two. He's not. A, he's not a second pick. It's not a second overall pick. It just kind of goes to show that I don't know what it was with the Jets and their just infatuation with Zach Wilson. I don't, he must have not infatuated that out of the, with his pro day, bro. I man, it's, it's it was either that or you want to talk about what he did in like the interview with the Jets brass because I remember when the reports came out after that pro day. It was like, oh, the Jets definitely know who they're going to get, and it's Zach Wilson out of BYU. The thing with him is that he doesn't—he ha- hasn't really gone up against 
what I would consider viable talent as far as like teams go. Weren't you saying the other day, like the, the best team that he played against was like Coastal Carolina. And that's not saying much. So I remember we were talking about like Matt Jones possibly going number three to San Francisco. And even though that you and I, we've had our opinions about Matt Jones, we can't deny that he's gone up against great teams and played extremely well against pretty much these big name teams, Ohio state, you want to talk about LSU, pretty much anybody in the sec that was Florida, Auburn. He played extremely well with Zach Wilson. The jury's still kind of out on Zach. I think Zach could definitely be a decent quarterback. I'm not slamming the door shut that he's going to just be terrible just because the jets really haven't gone anywhere since freaking Joe Namath you know, was the quarterback back in the 60s for the Jets and maybe Mark Sanchez when they went to two AFC championships back-to-back about 10, 15 years ago. But I don't know, man. I'm worried about Zach Wilson with the Jets, not because of what his talent says that he is. I'm worried about is can they protect this guy? Sam Darnold. Well, they drafted another offensive lineman right after him. They traded up for him specifically. I get it. I do. Sometimes it takes – it takes a while to kind of groom those offensive linemen. You know, it may take a year or two. So my thing is, is can they hold them upright? Sam Darnold, I'll never forget, going up against New England in Monday Night Football, saw ghosts and had one of the worst games I've ever seen from a quarterback. Now, hopefully for Zach's case, that doesn't happen though. But I'm low-key scared. It's the Jets, man. It's just they haven't gone anywhere in a very long time. Hopefully Robert Sala knows what he's doing and hopefully leads this team to some sort of success this year. I I don't think they're going to be vying for a playoff spot this year, but if they could try to get to, you know, like a seven and nine, eight and eight record, that's a hell of a lot better than what they were last year. So, yeah. But if I had to say a pick that kind of, I don't want to say irked me the wrong way, but just kind of scratched my head a little bit, it's probably Zach Wilson at two, but you and I had talked about that previously on our last episode as well. Yeah, but I mean, if outside of that, though, I, I thought most of these picks were pretty good. Maybe the Jamar Chase one, just because they could have got drafted offensive lineman, but I get the reason for drafting Jamar. That connection between him and Joe was money when they were both at LSU. So I, I think my biggest, I guess, question mark would be the Giants drafting Kadarius Tony with the 20th overall pick. Yeah. Granted, I am a big Big, big Gator fan. I love Kadarius Tony. However, the Giants have a decent receiving core. So I think that they drafted him to be the spark on either third down or special teams because he was a punt returner and special teamer, a slot receiver, and like a dynamic big playmaker. But to draft him in the first round, I think was a very big stretch because the Giants did need some additional help they do need some better pass rush they probably do need a, maybe another offensive lineman to solidify daniel jones's you know uprightness or you know, you know him being safe in the pocket uprightness is not the right word i meant to use or phrase um maybe the tight end position because we all know that evan ingram isn't exactly producing um so Kadarius tony is a big question mark we all know that Kadarius tony can be a very big 
playmaker. We do know that he is very shifty and that he can, you know, light up a defense at any point in time with a mismatch and breakaway speed. But there are certain times, take it from a Gator fan, you know, there are certain times where he tries to do a little bit too much that's unnecessary rather than go forward tries to be a little too flashy with his cuts and always tries to make a big play rather than go down, which caused a couple of turnovers this past season. Um, Kadarius, don't get me wrong. Like I said, he can change the dynamic of a game, but I just think that 20th pick for the New York Giants, knowing that they just signed Kenny Galladay, knowing that they have Slayton, knowing that they have, um, what's this kid's name? Oh, Sterling Shepard. I just, I didn't think it was necessary whatsoever. So I really do think that they're going to utilize him strictly for either wildcat, strict, you know, sweep, jet sweep, some some kind of trickery. Joe Judge is not an idiot. That Giants front office is is very positive. But if I had to like put you know attack on the first round and put a question mark, it would probably be the Giants going with Tony first. Okay, so I have his stats pulled up here, and and mind you, he was a four year player with the Gators. So mm-hmm. his first three years with the Gators are not that impressive because from the time that he was a freshman until he was a junior, he only had 50 catches for maybe around like 500 yards and like two touchdowns. Now in 2020, he did have a significantly better year. He had 70 receptions, 984 yards and 10 touchdowns. So you could definitely say that he took a step upward in his senior year with the Gators. Now you compare that to some Mm -hmm. other wide receivers that were drafted in the first round just a couple hours ago. You look at Devontae Smith. So Devontae Smith had 117 receptions, almost 1,900 yards receiving, and 23 touchdowns with Alabama this year. Absolutely insane, bro. Jamar Chase. Sophomore in 2019 or junior, I forget what he, whatever, it doesn't matter. But in 2019, he had 84 catches, 1,780 yards receiving, and 20 touchdowns. So you compare that with Kadaris, Tony. Look, I think for me, the way that I kind of see it with Tony is that he's probably maybe a second, maybe a third rounder. I think with that pick in the first round, I think it was a little bit of a stretch though. That's just me. Agreed. So it just, it wasn't like he wasn't going to be on the board next round. In my opinion, maybe you, you mentioned about the whole special teams aspects that he could bring to the team, basically like a spark player. This is probably an unfair comparison because they're completely two different players. I wonder if they kind of look at him as what Percy Harvin was back in the day. But the thing was with Percy Harvin was that Percy Harvin he was, was a utility far, player. Percy Harvin was much more electric as far as I'm concerned. Don't, don't get me wrong. Kadarius Tony has definitely taken leaps and bounds from where he was his first three years with the Gators. I think with what the Giants were maybe seeing with Tony, though, is something similar to what Percy Harvin provided when he came into the league. He was a very good utility player, could provide a spark, and he was pretty solid when it came to special teams. He had a a great performance in Super Bowl 48 for the Seattle Seahawks against Denver. He got the kickoff return against 
the Broncos in the second half that pretty much blew the game open and Seattle never looked back. So look, when I, when I look at this move with Kadarius Tony, I could definitely see it being a stretch, but I kind of understand the justification for why they did that though. Yeah. I mean, the giants could use a lot of help on the offensive end in a lot of ways, obviously, like we had previously said, Saquon coming back from an ACL, he's projected to come back by week one. The addition of Kenny Galladay, Daniel Jones entering year three. So, I mean, I, I really do think that they're trending in the right direction. But again, I, I stand by what I said. I don't think it was a necessary pick. I think they could have used this pick to do something different, something that was actually necessary. Um, to draft a special teamer in the first round isn't exactly an important need. Granted, I mean, if he's going to pull a Devin Hester and he's going to run back kick return after kick return or, or have incredible punt return yardage average, you know, good for them. But mm-hmm. it's just a matter of, I just, I think that that was kind of like a desperation. Like we need somebody electric now and mm-hmm. they went and they got him. I mean, if they really wanted a wide receiver, there were some other players on the board that you could have drafted. Um, but, you know, like I said, that's my only real hiccup and question mark. If, I had to say, like we were talking about earlier, um, or should I say, I'm going to ask you, who's the steal thus far? We're up to pick 27. Baltimore's pick is in. But if you had to look at this draft board, who would you say is like, a, oh, my God, like this is massive for this team. Like they needed this, and wow. It's tricky. There's a lot of good names here just looking down the board. But if I had to say, I'll say this. Not for the reason that you think, but I think there's two guys that come to mind. I think Jalen Waddle with the Dolphins, and then probably Panay say, well, uh, at number seven. So six, the six and seven picks. The reason why is, and you and I have talked about this many times, with Detroit, they need somebody to protect uh, Jared Goss blindside. Saywell is going to be able to provide that. The only thing, though, is with Detroit is that they essentially have nobody to throw it to. But I like the move because it's going to help protect Jared Goff. And that's probably the most important thing at this point is just to keep him upright and have him not get chased around the entire game. So that move I do like. Um, if They could have maybe gone after a receiver, but I, I like that move because he was probably the best offensive lineman in this draft. So I don't necessarily think that it's it's not a flashy pick, but I think it was a necessary pick for Detroit to get. And then six, this is where kind of like the fireworks come in with Miami picking Jalen Waddle. Now you and I have maybe had a little bit of disagreement on whether or not we think that Jalen Waddle is the number one receiver coming out of Alabama, just based off of the production that Devontae Smith has had with Alabama the last two seasons. It won the fucking Heisman. Yeah. So, granted, I think Jalen's going to be dynamite for this team. You got Tua. Tua has another option to throw to here, including Devontae Parker and Gusecki. So, I tell you what, this Miami offense is going to be fun to watch next year. Because when you got Tua leading the way at the quarterback spot, you got Devontae Parker as a clear number one receiver. 
You got Kaseki, who's an up and coming tight end, and you got Jalen Waddle on top of that. Bro, that's a good offense. Don't sleep on Miami's offense now. The only main thing is just watching Tua's progression into year two. That's really the biggest thing here. That's the that is one hundred percent the question mark. That's the main factor here. But that pick getting Jalen, I think is a good one. Honestly, it could have been either Jalen or Devontae. It doesn't really matter. I think either pick would have done wonders for Miami going into next year. But that offense is going to definitely have a spark with Jalen on the team. There's no doubt about that. So I'll ask the question to you then. What was one where you thought that they knocked it out of the park with their pick? Um, I'm starting at the top. I'm sitting here just trying to run through. Um, I like Dallas's pick for Parsons. It replaces Sean Lee for the retirement. Um, Dallas desperately needs some form of a dynamic playmaker on the defensive end with them being probably one of the worst overall defensive teams in the league. So I do like him. I think he fits perfectly. I think that it was needed. He did take this year off due to COVID like Jamar Chase. So his body is well rested. So hopefully that helps more than hinders. And I'm, I'm sticking with what I said a few minutes ago, man. That that Travis Etienne pick, bro, I don't think people understand how good of a player this kid is. And then you mm-hmm. pair him with literally the same quarterback he's had for the last three years. I, I don't think it gets any better, bro. I really don't. Yeah. And then you have Urban Meyer, one of the better college coaches in history, telling him and coaching him up and letting him know how it's going to work and the offense that Jacksonville potentially could have this upcoming season, man, it is going to be one hell of a year for Jacksonville if their offense can click the way that they seem to be clicking on paper already because that dude, ETN, can bust the game wide open with one cut. He is that electric. Najee Harris is great too, but we all know Pittsburgh has a lot of question marks going into this season, not only with cap, but their offense kind of taking breaks week to week sometimes, sometimes, and then Ben being literally on his last leg. So it's just a matter of, hey, is this going to get going now? Or or, or, mm-hmm. or is Travis Etienne about to take over with James Robinson? That is a one-two punch for the history books because they're both young. Yep. James Robinson broke the all-time rookie record for uh, total scrimmage yards in a season by a rookie running back, and he missed the last two games of the year. Didn't he have like 1,600 yards like altogether? Something like that, like total yard, yeah. Yeah. He's, so, he's gonna be, mean, they're going to be fun to watch, bro. James Robinson, ETN. Marvin Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer at the helm. I'm, I'm up, up. The AFC South is about to be a pain in the ass for a couple of years, like I said. So, I mean, that was to me, that's for sure the steal in the first round so far. It, it, it's going to be fun for me to watch because I don't have any pressure watching my team play. They're not in the AFC South, mine is in the AFC East. So, it's going to be pressure w- watching those games in the AFC South, my guy, because you got three yeah. viable teams now. Well, depending yeah. on what he said, what, depending on what happens with Houston, we'll see what happens with them. Yeah, if, if that whole Deshaun Watson thing ends up coming to fruition and being true, I got two teams to worry about because Deshaun will never play football again. But um, thinking on the bright again. side, you know, again. huh? He'll play football again. If all 22 of those cases end up coming to be true, dude, that's a lot. I don't think he'll ever touch the field again. They're going to do a settlement. He'll be fine. He'll get suspended. Mm-hmm. He's not, he's yeah, not for get, a while. He's not going to get barred from the NFL. Are you kidding me? Okay, well, it's, 
bro, people get suspended for stupider things. Like, this is a lot of women coming forward. Again, I'm not saying it's true. We're not going to get into the legality no. of it. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, Antonio Brown, like, threatened two women. And yet, he just won a Super Bowl with the Bucks last year. It's bad at the yeah, moment for Deshaun right now. I don't know if it's terrible. It's it is bad. Like, it is bad. Like let that like let that settle in, man. That's just crazy. Like someone does something like that, it's and then they can still go out and play. It's crazy. It's a lot. Now yeah. there is there is somebody I want to talk about here. What Justin Fields going to the Bears? Good pick, decent pick, <laughs> bad pick. Bears. What do you think? Justin Fields going to be like the quarterback it. in the like future. It, bro. I like it. You know what's crazy, though? The only thing, I give Mel Kiper credit. He's been doing this for 43, 44 years. The man knows the ins and outs of every fucking part of the sport of football, and I love listening to him, uh, especially on days like today because he obviously follows them, follows college students very in-depth. Um, he did make the comparison to Chicago's front office making a pick similar to Justin Fields and Mitchell Trubisky, the dual threat, uh, big arm, uh, great year. Obviously, them referencing 2019 because last year was a shortened season for the Big Ten. And, you know, they drafted quarterbacks like they drafted a quarterback like that a couple of years ago that didn't exactly pan out. And they traded up. Did they trade up for Mitchell or they had Mitchell? I don't know. They remember. traded up for Mitchell, right? I think they traded up for Mitchell. Oh, no, it didn't work out for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'm almost positive they traded up for Mitchell. And, it, it bit them in the ass, obviously. And now we're just looking at this, like, can Justin's mechanics be altered enough? Mm-hmm. Does Matt Nagy have enough left in him to correct the mistakes of Justin Fields? And offensively, can they produce? I mean, we all know on paper how good that the Bears could be with Jimmy Graham being in that system and obviously Allen Robinson coming back for another year. Um What's this guy's name? Tyreek Cohen will be coming back from an ACL injury. We all saw Jordan Montgomery take a step in the right direction last year when you started getting touches later in the season. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the other uh, receivers that Chicago had kind of step up later in the year. Chicago has potential. And obviously with our segment after the draft and with the news of Green Bay, who's to say that Chicago can't be in the playoffs again if Justin Fields ends up starting? But we all know that there's going to be a quarterback controversy over there with the signing of Andy Dalton and Nick Foles still being on this roster, making $9 million to kind of just chill. The way that I see it is Chicago fans should be celebrating for once because they actually have a guy that they could really rally around. I imagine when Mitchell Trubisky was drafted a couple years ago that the fans were not happy with that pick. And – Deservedly so, because he has turned out to be nothing but mediocre throughout his NFL career so far. So when it comes to Justin Fields, I think he's going to be a solid guy for the Bears. I don't know if he's going to be the day one starter. I think that that will be worked out within the next couple of months or so. It wouldn't surprise me if they either go with Andy Dalton or Nick Foles as a day one starter. Probably Andy. I think Nick Foles is terrible anywhere outside of Philly. But – I think as long as they're able to work out the mechanical issues that Justin Fields has with his throwing motion, because yeah, somebody he starts here. Yeah, somebody actually did like a really good video where they like compared like the different throwing motions of like Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. I sent it to you. It's on Twitter. Yeah. And there's a certain 
there's just a certain motion that you're supposed to have as a quarterback when you're throwing the ball. And yeah, his is like, it's weird. Like, I don't even know like how he does it. It's just like, so like everybody, it's almost like a flick. It's almost like a flick. They they say that when you're clearing, the ball should be up above your elbow. Like as you're clearing through, the ball should be here. Like almost at your ear, as you're clearing it up, clear the spot. Mm -hmm. Justin Fields, his release starts here. He winds up. He literally starts from the bottom and goes over. And that's just a very unorthodox throwing motion. And believe it or not, that is what Tim Tebow had coming out of Florida. A lot of his throws coming from the left side, he started as low as humanly possible and almost like looked like he cranked it up in which why he was so inaccurate in his brief NFL stint, in which we'll talk about him later as well. He had a tryout with Jacksonville Jaguars at the tight end position. Um Who's to say he doesn't make that offense? Who's to say he doesn't make that roster with Urban Meyer, his former head coach, being at the helm of Jacksonville now? I'm just saying, you know, Tim Tebow at tight end, that'd be a little weird. But with Justin Fields, I, I think he was, I think it was a good pick for Chicago. Yeah, I, this I is know. not what this is not one of those moves where I'm instantly hating on it for Chicago making this move. This is a, this is going to be one that I think. When we look back at it in a couple of years from now, I think it's going to be worth it. Because when you look at Justin Fields, even though that he has those mechanical issues in his throwing arm, it didn't stop him from being one of the best quarterbacks in college football the past two years. The guy was extremely efficient. He rarely turned the ball over. And he does have that dual threat option that, a lot of guys and a lot of teams look for in a quarterback. And it's almost kind of like a prerequisite now when you really look at quarterbacks that are coming into the league. It almost is like you not only do you need to throw the ball well, but if you can expand the play with your feet and pick up some first downs that way, that's a huge feather in your cap. And Justin Fields definitely fits that description to a T. So I – I think it's a good move for Chicago. I don't know how some people from Ohio State feel about that because our friend Tyree was not too thrilled about him going to Chicago. But I think it was a move that Chicago had to make. Yeah, it was like anywhere but Chicago. But look, you know, I wouldn't have minded him going to New England, but I think it's a good fit. I think it's a good fit. Hopefully he can. I hope so. I really well, hope so for his case, man. That man was hopefully. disrespected. Yeah. He, Bill Simmons' uh, son, Chris Simmons, Chris, projected him to go 32nd to the Bucks. That's so disrespectful, dude. Like, it's one thing to be off. He was off on a whole other planet, dude. Like, even the NFL.com mock draft that we talked about last week had him at 24 going to Pittsburgh. That just seemed too out of the po- – that was just out of the possibility of having – Yeah, it was It was disrespectful. And I think it, I think it was an over-exaggeration of his arm mechanics when he throws the ball. And – You just need a good quarterback's coach, man. That's all you need is coaching in this league. And I mean, we all know the NFL has plenty of talented coaching staff members. I said that he was the third best quarterback in this draft if not top two, he was the fourth picked. So you had Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance go ahead of him. But I honestly think 
that Justin Fields is better than Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. So, but who are we? Just yeah, mere exactly, regular ex- guys. Exactly. You know, we don't get paid millions of dollars or hundreds of thousand dollars to scout these guys. But if I put my money on it, I like Justin. I like Justin over Trey Lance and Zach Wilson. But it's like you said, what do we know? Exactly. Um, but, I mean, that pretty much wraps up the first round. Uh, Peyton Turner was oh, – excuse me, to update. I know last thing I said was ETN. Greg Newsom, the cornerback out of Northwestern, was taken by the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Rashad Bateman, the stud wide receiver out of Minnesota, was taken by the Ravens, who desperately needed wide receiver help. Um, New Orleans took Peyton Turner, the defensive end out of Houston, with the 28th pick. At 29, Green Bay has taken Eric Stokes, the cornerback out of Georgia. And with the 30th pick, the Buffalo Bills are currently on the clock. But since I last mentioned Green Bay, the news of the day outside of the NFL draft, uh, reigning MVP, former Super Bowl champion, former All-Pro Aaron Rodgers has said publicly that he is not happy with Green Bay and would not like to return to the team for next season. No one knows what the fuck it actually means. No one knows if it's authentic. Granted, Shefty reported it. I'm not saying Shefty's wrong, but we all know how the media works. One sentence could have been taken out of context. One text message could have been taken out of context. So I'm looking to you and I'm saying fact or cap Aaron Rodgers on this roster next season or this upcoming season. I think he's still going to be on the team next year. There's, I agree completely. There's no way Green Bay's letting him go. No. The thing is, you imagine what the trade package would look like for Aaron Rodgers. We're talking about a guy that won the MVP last year in his late 30s who can still throw at 60 running in the opposite direction. Yes, it's going to be quite a hefty package. Yeah, so listen, I'm not going to go total like this is like, oh my God, like, you know, Green Bay needs to panic. Aaron Rodgers is done in, in Green Bay. I'm not going to go there yet. Now, when I read the reports, said that he was disgruntled about just the current situation in Green Bay. And guess what? That happens all the time. There are certain times when players are just not happy with the direction of the team. And that's coming off of a NFC championship year. Mind you, they, they were should have won because because Brady gave them ample opportunities to get back into that game and win, but they couldn't couldn't make certain plays happen, and the Bucks ended up going to the Super Bowl. So, I really think that this team is really close. I think the main issue on this team is mostly the defense, and I think with Rodgers. I think this is a valid criticism of Rodgers here. Look, granted, you know, I'm going to compare him to Brady in this sense, and it's not really a fair comparison, but it's it's one that it's worth mentioning. When you look at Brady, Brady at most is probably making somewhere around $25 million a year. Aaron Rodgers is getting paid about 36 37 damn near close to 40 And what I'm saying is, is that, Granted, Aaron Rodgers is worth every penny of that. However, what comes with that is that the team has less money with cap to work with. Because I'll give you a perfect example. 
if Aaron Rodgers cuts his uh, caps, uh, if he cuts what he makes in a year by about 15, 20%, let's just say that just to throw some numbers out there. You could get somebody like what the Patriots were able to get a couple years ago in Stephon Gilmore signed to a five-year deal averages about 12 million a year when he signed that five-year $60 million contract with New England. And you know what? It's a lot better than having Kevin King out there getting freaking torched by Scotty Miller in the last play of the second half. So, and not only that, he got torched by Mike Evans in the first drive of the game as well. Second quarter, I think. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's just, that is one criticism that you could probably make of Aaron Rodgers is like, look, I understand that he's worth every penny that comes along with his play. But at the end of the day, what do you want? You want titles or do you want money? Because there's no way that he's going to be able to get titles the way that his contract is currently stipulated at. It's just not going to happen. He's not going to be able to win a title the way that he thinks he can, the way that it's currently set up. It's just not going to happen. I disagree completely. They haven't gotten to the Super Bowl since 2010. It's been over Mm -hmm. a decade. And what I'm saying is, is that what he makes on a year in year out basis does matter to a certain extent. You look at Brady. It does. No, it does. You look at Brady. Brady makes probably 10 to $15 million less a year. It frees up more cap space and it gives the team more to work with to build up different parts of the team. You look at, you look at Tampa right now, Brady restructured his contract and they re-signed everybody. AB. Uh, um, oh my God, I'm trying Chris Godwin. Um, oh, I was about to say. Yeah, it's like, and then a lot of the defensive players that the Bucks signed or that, you know, could have possibly left the free agency, they all re-signed. So what I'm saying is, is that some of the blame for Green Bay's misfortunes in not making the Super Bowl or winning a Super Bowl does go to the feet a little bit to Aaron Rodgers. He's not responsible for everything that why Green Bay hasn't made the Super Bowl in 10 years plus, but some of it is. And in large part, it's due to his contract. I'm, you know, I hate to be a money guy here. I really do because this guy deserves every penny of what he makes. But the consequences that comes along with that is that they're, you're going to have weaker parts of the team, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. And look, you want Aaron Rodgers to carry you to the promised land. That's one thing. He can only, he can only carry you guys so far when the defense is getting torched. So that's been the main issue with this team for a decade plus is that freaking defense. And Rogers frees up 10, $15 million a year in his contract. Completely different story. But so my thing, my, my thing is, right. I think this is all the front office's fault. Aaron Rodgers has been very vocal about what it is that he wants. Devontae Adams was pretty much the only receiver all season long. Valdez Scantley and all of these, and, and Lazard and, you know, Tanyan, they were all great little pieces. They were all, they were all like cute little sidekicks. But I think LaFleur coming into this offense, or should I say this team, and right off the bat, his first decision was, let me go and draft a quarterback. 
to try to spark something out of Aaron to maybe try to light a fire under his ass or show him like, hey, this is my team, not yours, I think was the dumbest chess move or the dumbest poker move you could have ever done. That was the worst bluff in NFL history. We all knew you weren't going to bench Aaron Rodgers for a one-year wonder in Utah that had accuracy issues since forever. We all knew that drafting Jordan Love was a tactic to try to get Aaron Rodgers to back down. So he felt like, you know, like he was untouchable. No, my friend, Aaron Rodgers is fucking untouchable. When Aaron fucking says you kneel, you kneel. The man literally walks on water in the fucking state of Wisconsin and you coming into this team and telling him basically, yo, your days are numbered. Or if you continue to act up, we're going to put this kid in. Yeah, good luck throwing a kid that has literally had accuracy issues his entire rookie season in practice with the second unit go into Lambeau Field and not get booed out of the state. I think that the front office has known for years that Aaron has asked for help. And I know that, like Kyle said, they have definitely lacked on drafting a liable defensive player, possibly since Clay Matthews back in like 2010. And we all know how that turned out. Phenomenal. So the fact that the Green Bay Packers have pretty much neglected Aaron's requests and needs, granted, a lot of them were not in the greatest of manner. I don't want to play. I'm not happy here. Who's to say I will be on the roster next year? You know what I'm saying? All these interviews sometimes are very skeptical and like very like open-based answers. You know what I'm saying? So the media took it in a million directions of what it could have meant. But again, yes, the contract is a problem to a certain extent, but you can't necessarily compare it to Tom Brady because they had people on that roster before Tom got there. Mike Evans, Cameron Brait, OJ Howard, Chris Godwin, all of them already had their own individual contracts. Mm -hmm. But Tom joined a team that was already good. Aaron's been on this team since day one. And since he's been on the team, since their Super Bowl year, after Donald Driver left and Jordy Nelson retired a few years ago, he was obviously never the same after he got, after he tore his ACL. Um, this Green Bay offense has been subpar lately. Aaron is throwing people open. Aaron is making other players look good. And we all know that Aaron is the reason why they're in the position that they're in because he's the one that makes the plays and has them in position to win every week. So when your star, your second best quarterback in franchise history, depending on who you ask, obviously Brett being first, Bart Starr probably being second, and then Aaron because Aaron has only brought one title to Green Bay. Um, can you really sit there and look him in the eye and say, well, fuck it. You're not going to give me everything I'm asking for. I'll just take all the money I can get while I can and try to win with what I can win with. Because, dude, we all knew this was coming. This was inevitable. I'm telling you, the second they signed the floor to that contract, I said, oh, this is not going to go good. They're going to butt heads. Then he drafted Jordan Love. And I was just like, oh, well, I guess this guy's a fucking idiot. And you saw them disagreeing on the sideline during some games. You saw them disagreeing on the sideline in practice. Aaron doesn't have to respect him. Bro, I, bought a, I brought a title here. I took the realms after Brett Favre. I'm breaking records every year. I'm throwing this ball around and fucking making it look like it's child's play in the backyard. What the fuck are you doing? This is my team. And I guarantee you ask any Green Bay fan, they're siding with Rodgers over the floor any day of the week, nine times out of ten, maybe even ten times out of ten. So, yes, the money part is massively important in the NFL. There's no denial in that. But when your team is literally looking you in the face and saying, we're doing the best that we can, I'm doing the same thing Aaron Rodgers is doing, and I'm fucking taking all the money that I can. Big part is the ego, man.
a large a large part of it is ego. He's asked. He's requested. I get it. He has said it. What do I you want to do? Draft for them? I get it. I do. The only thing is though, is that this offense, this offense is pretty solid, dude. I'm looking at this. I mean, you got Aaron Jones, who's one of the best running backs in the game. You've got Devontae Adams, who is arguably a top three receiver in this league. And then you have a stout offensive lineman. Like, uh, you have a stout offensive line group that has pretty much protected Aaron Rodgers extremely well throughout the majority of his career. Except against the Bucs. Yeah, you know, the one standout in the games that actually matter. But I'm just saying is that when it comes to Rodgers – I'm not going to blame him for his play here because his play has been outstanding, specifically last year. When an MVP, he had like a 45 touchdown to five interception ratio. That's a nine to one touchdown to interception ratio. It's freaking nuts. Mm-hmm. However, comes to ego, thinking that you're going to make 35 to $40 million a year and think that there's not consequences that comes along with that, you're going to end up in the same spot over and over again. You're going to end up in the NFC Championship game with an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl, and you can't get there. But what are you I'm, supposed to do, though? What, what I'm saying is, is that bite the bullet. He bit Brit, the bullet for years. He bit the bullet in certain things, but not the one thing that might matter the most, which is opening up cap space for the front office to actually go out and make some moves to the defense. The reason why I mentioned Brady is because he did. He did that. I'm saying, look who they were able to bring in. You bring in Stephon Gilmore, the guy who's one of the best cornerbacks in the game at the time that they signed him. He becomes an all-pro player for New England during his tenure there. And he still is there. I'm just saying, you free up money for that front office to use. You may get what you want, but they're not going to be able to do that when you're making damn near 40 million a year. I get it. He deserves every penny of that. But the consequences that come along with that are you're going to have a weaker team across the board because Aaron is eating up most of the cap space for this team. It's just the way that it is. Aaron has to bite the bullet here. But I think in large part, his ego won't let him. Is this me keeping it a buck? No, I mean, like, we've all heard reports of certain players, former Green Bay players, former opponents, former rivals, former rivals, former coaches. Aaron's attitude isn't exactly the best. Aaron's mentality isn't exactly positive. Um, and personally, he kind of reminds me of Michael in terms of like Michael Jordan. Like, he wants to win so bad he's willing to alienate whoever he has to to get them in the mindset of we're going to win to get the best out of them. And, you know, his attitude and how he carries himself on the field and maybe even in practice, I would assume probably isn't the greatest in terms of leadership quality. But when you're literally sitting there and you're begging for help and you're sitting there like, yo, dude, I've asked for receiver help. I've asked for defensive help and nobody's listening and you're drafting scrubs or you're, you're getting free agent scrubs, what is Aaron Rodgers supposed to do? Sit back and continue to take a cut when no one's listening to you whatsoever? I'm not doing that shit. 
bro, you don't want to draft anybody I'm asking you to draft. You want to draft a quarterback to make a point. You want to waste money on players that you don't need to waste it on. Fine. I'm going to go get my bag. I'm going to carry us with the team you've put around me. And I'm going to prove a point to show. And maybe if you would have helped me, I would have taken less money earlier. But because you want to be pricks, I'm going to go get this bag and I'm going to dip. And that's it. I don't blame Aaron Rodgers at all for this, bro. He's been beating a dead horse for almost four or five years. And Joe Tyrone was the last pick of the first round of the 2021 NFL draft, the edge rusher out of Washington, Baltimore Ravens at 31. That pick was acquired by the Kansas City Chiefs earlier this week when they traded for Orlando Brown from Baltimore. They got Jason Awe, the another edge rusher out of Penn State. And then Buffalo was able to draft Greg Roseo uh, out of Miami, Florida, another edge rusher. So the first round is concluded. We have rounds two and three tomorrow and rounds four through eight or four through seven, whatever it is, I always forget, coming through to you guys on Saturday. So the NFL draft phase one is completed. Uh, not that I'm cutting off that segment of Aaron Rodgers, but I I don't want, I feel like I'm repeating myself and Kyle, I feel like he's going to, we're just going to be back and forth. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, Agree to disagree. Yeah. It is what it is. Aaron Rodgers is either going to be on this roster come week one or he'll be traded. And I know that you said that you read a report somewhere. I don't know if it's confirmed or valid, but there was a report saying of his preferred destinations. Kyle, what three teams were those again? Uh, the three teams were the 49ers, the Broncos, and the Raiders. Yeah, I think the Broncos would probably be the best team there, if I'm being yeah. completely honest with you. I'm 100% with you on that. And you could pretty much throw the 49ers out the window at this point after they draft the trade line. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Not so going to happen. He ain't, he ain't, unless they do a swap, like I, young young kid for Aaron. But at that point, that would be stupid. I, I don't know why you would pick the Raiders. Granted, it's pro football talk that had the report. So you kind of have to take it with a little grain of salt. The reason why I'm saying that is because you had freaking Chris Sims out here putting Justin Fields at 32 in his final mock draft. Like, that's ridiculous. So – a little bit hesitant to kind of cite pro football talk, but they had the report out. And out of those teams, the Broncos do seem like the most appealing team simply because yep. they've got some studs on that offensive side of the ball. You got Jerry Judy, you got Cortland Sutton, you got Noah Fant, you got Melvin Gordon out of the backfield. That's a solid team to run with. And John Elway, one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history, is the GM. We all know what he did with Peyton Manning when he was in his late 30s, when he came to the team. Vaughn Miller's coming back on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. They just drafted Patrick Sertain on the corner side to, to, to solidify one side of the football. So who's to say that Denver isn't poised to try to make some form of comeback when we do know that the Drew Lock era has not panned out in the last two years between him being injured and him looking to be incompetent in certain, certain manners. So Denver definitely looks like a, a poised position to acquire Aaron Rodgers if Green Bay is willing to part ways. So, I mean, there was a report earlier today that the 49ers tried to inquire, as well as the Chicago Bears, to see uh, the availability of Andrew. Uh, wow, God forbid. The, avail- the availability of Aaron Rodgers. And Green Bay said there was a 0% chance that he would be traded. Now that Aaron has vocally said to the media he doesn't want to be on the roster, maybe that changes their tune. I don't know. But that news broke the internet around the end of the workday, and Kyle and I were both going apeshit. And it's crazy because 
Devontae Adams is due for an extension, I believe, either this offseason or next offseason. And if Aaron leaves, you lose Devontae too. And that puts Green Bay in an automatic rebuild mode with Jordan Love at the helm. And I think that automatically puts Green Bay in the bottom tier of the NFL because without Aaron Rodgers, yep. Aaron Rodgers, let alone without him and Devontae Adams, this team is in some deep shit. Well, I know I kind of went a little bit tough on Aaron on that last segment, but look, his career prospects are still looking pretty well because who knows? He might end up as the freaking Jeopardy host if he plays his cards right. So that was funny. If it doesn't um if it doesn't go well for his football career th- these last couple of years, he's always got that to fall back on too. Possibly, so, depending on how that goes. Yeah. Just saying, I watched some of the episodes that he hosted and he did a very good job. Yeah, I know one guy made a funny question of uh why did you guys end up kicking that field goal? It was it was you know it was dumb funny. I couldn't the, stop laughing. Th- there was there was another one where it was a sports category. And it was like this north, like this northern football team won four titles during the 1960s, and nobody and it answered was like the it. Green Bay Packers, and yeah. Then, and then he, and then he just is standing there, like Green Bay Packers. And then the next question they ask it was a basketball question, and the guy ended up guessing the Boston Celtics, and that was the right answer. And then Roger said, "Oh, you got that one." So he's got good comedy. He's he's a funny yeah, personality. He, he, I think he'd be great on that because he was entertaining. I'm not going to lie, but I saw some of the episodes that he was on and he was entertaining. So I tell you what, it'd be less stressful than have dudes running at you full speed, trying to knock your freaking head off. Not wrong. So, but I mean, like other than that guys, um, that's going to wrap it up for us, Kyle, unless you have anything else. Um, this is a late episode. It's yeah. Coming up to midnight on our side where this will be posted by the morning. We kind of wanted to wait till at least both of our teams drafted. Um, uh, the NFL, to the NFL guys, if you're ever listening to this, you ever come across this, let's speed up this fucking pick process because this is ridiculous. Jacksonville, me and you got beef more than we already had. You literally sat there and took eight and a half minutes to pick a person you've known you were going to draft since you clinched the number one overall pick and you still waited eight minutes. The Jets, we've always had beef. We got more beef. You've been saying you're going to draft Zach Wilson. Since you solidified the number two pick and you still took damn near nine minutes, guys, if you fucking know who you're going to pick, pick. We know you're not deliberating in that damn green room or that draft room of yours. We know that you guys are just shooting this shit on the phone, talking about what they're going to do when they get to town. Bro, call them after you pick and get that shit done. This draft should not have taken as long as it did. I already have to question Urban Meyer's time management skills. They're not looking Dude, good. That, that, that tweet was funny. But that I was a good the one. Tweet, the, the tweet of the night for sure was, Mac is just Cam spelled backwards. Let that sink in. And I was crying. Yo, man, yo, the internet's undefeated, man. Twitter's the greatest place in the world. I will never delete that app. Shout out to Twitter, bro. The, jokes are, the jokes are good. All I'm saying for Matt Jones, keep those receipts, man. Keep those receipts. You might need them one holy, day. Holy shit. But like I said, guys, uh, excuse me that's probably gonna wrap it up for the episode tonight this will be posted on pretty much every platform we always do as per usual um we're at 149 subscribers tomorrow is the last day of the month so please 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 if you can you know we just need one more sub to hit our goal if not yeah i don't want to tolerate that no we definitely want that one sub so do do your part repost like subscribe we appreciate all the love and uh we'll be seeing you guys next week yes sir I've got nothing else to add from here. So 
with that said, thanks for guys. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you guys later next week. Hi, I'm Mark and I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric cast.